Welcome to Lost in the Movies, my public podcast. On this episode, I'll be reviewing Before Sunrise, and this is going to kick off the Before Trilogy, which I'm going to be reviewing every other week. Uh, Throughout 2020, these episodes will be going up every other Wednesday. And uh, so I'm going to cover Before Sunrise in this episode, then Before Sunset next time, and Before Midnight after that. And then with some other variations as well, I'm going to uh, discuss a bunch of Ethan Hawke vehicles from now through November, which is his 50th birthday. So that seemed appropriate, ranging from the late 80s to the late teens. So I hope you enjoy those. If you have anything to say about this film, Ethan Hawke generally, any of the titles coming up, or my thoughts about them, please let me know. You can comment on iTunes, on my site, lostinthemovies.com, where I'll be cross-posting this on the Thursday after every Wednesday episode, or you can email me at movieman0283 at gmail.com. So I'll look forward to hearing some thoughts on that, and I'll share them at the end of the episode after I get these uh, pieces of feedback. So the beginning of each episode, I just want to describe what I'm up to elsewhere before we get to the work on hand. First of all, my popular YouTube series, Journey Through Twin Peaks, relatively popular. You know, this is probably what anybody who's uh, finding this podcast initially knows me from. This is a video series uh, covering Twin Peaks through all three seasons in the feature film Firewalk with me in roughly chronological order. I'm going to start doing thematic order soon, but right now I'm still kind of going through the lead-up to Season 3 and Season 3. And the video that focused on the recent Showtime series has finally been restored. There was a bit of a copyright dispute with a song or with the company that owned the song, and finally that was released after a month, so you can see that now. And links will be in the show note. You may have to copy and paste, depending what platform you're listening to, but you can check them out there. Also on my site, I posted Four Worlds in Pinocchio, which is a look at four different uh, story areas in that film. The town where Pinocchio and Geppetto live, the shop where you have all these intricate little clocks that uh, Geppetto creates that I find fascinating, just wonderful animation in that sequence. And then uh, Under the Sea and also Pleasure Island. So lots of cool screenshots. This is all a visual tribute, so it's just images from the film. Uh, This was something that I thought would be fun to put up last week when I didn't have anything else going up. And, you know, I like to put up something at least once a week, so this seemed like something that would be uh, kind of fun to scroll through and look at and uh, pause on each image and kind of linger over them because there's so much there to see in each frame. And uh, also on my Patreon, which you can subscribe to for a dollar a month or $5 a month if you want to be on the second tier, I have uh, recently published an episode talking about Twin Peaks cinema, films that have a similarity to Twin Peaks. And uh, in this case, it was the the melodrama Peyton Place from the 50s. And I also uh, posted my Lost in Twin Peaks coverage episode guide For episode 16, which is a big episode for the series, it's where uh, the central murder mystery is fully resolved. So there was a lot to discuss there. I released it in two parts on my Patreon. That's for the $5 a month patrons. And uh, $1 a month can access the main episode. And uh, also, by the way, if you want to jump ahead before I release these publicly, uh, the rest of my Ethan Hawke 
uh, coverage, which I initially did back in 2018. So without further ado, my thoughts on Before Sunrise. All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today, and we're looking for something fun to do. Practicing English? Before Sunrise is the first of a trilogy which I'll eventually cover, I'm sure, on this podcast. Uh, but for now, we're just focusing on the first film. It came out in 1995, starred Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy as a young, not-quite-couple, just actually strangers, really, who meet on a train on the way to Vienna, and spontaneously, the young man, an American named Jesse, convinces Celine, a French, the young French woman that he's met, to get off the train with him and just kind of hang out till he has to catch a flight in the morning. And the whole idea is, you know, we, we seem to be hitting it off at this moment. Let's just see where this goes. Like, let's be spontaneous. Let's have fun. And that's the whole spirit of the movie. They wander around Vienna into the evening and through the night into the following morning. And they just talk. They talk a lot. That's mostly what they do and share memories and jokes and little experiences, run-ins. They meet some people who are doing a strange play that they're invited to that then they never go to. And there's a man who, instead of asking for money, writes them a poem and they can give him money if they like the poem. And they have dinner on like a boat, dinner or drinks, and they play pinball and they sit by the river. They wander around the city, really, and, and talk. That's the movie. There's a woman who's a fortune teller who reads their fortune. There's just these little run-ins and encounters. And it's very free-flowing. A very, very enjoyable film to watch, I find. Uh, with Linklater, his first film, Slacker, I found kind of uh, obnoxious. I've only seen it one time, so maybe I would feel different the second time. But most of his films provide an interesting combination of high concept and a kind of naturalistic, a very dialogue-heavy approach. Uh, for example, you know, Boyhood is a film that he shot over 10 years. And uh, the before films, when you see them all together, they have, uh, you know, they catch up with this these, this duo at three different points in their lives, I think nine years apart in each case. And they're structured around, I'm not sure how Before Midnight is structured, I would assume it's all in, a, in an evening. But Before Sunrise takes place over that period, the 12-hour period or whatever it is. And then uh, the follow-up film, Before Sunset, takes place in real time before sunset. So there's like a couple hours. So there's just these conceits to the film. He always does these kind of clever structural things with not always, but with so many of his films. And it just provides an interesting sort of yin yang with his more laid back. It's like a combination of two very different strands of filmmaking, I think, that, that he's able to pull off really well. So I've always kind of appreciated his films for that. 
And this, I think, is just one of the most engaging examples. Now, that said, watching the film again, I realized I don't really like Jesse that much. Like, I find him kind of obnoxious. Uh, just his whole demeanor. And I actually, I, I usually tend to like Ethan Hawke's performing style. But he's just very fidgety and comes off a little bit smug in this. I, as he goes along, I think he becomes a little more interesting. But for a while, it's just like, man, I don't, I don't know. He's, he kind of rubs me the wrong way. The moment, I think, where the film shifts and I enjoy watching it the whole way through, but where I feel more invested with the characters and emotionally drawn to them is when they stop in a little cafe and they have these phone con- imaginary phone conversations where they're calling their friend and telling their friend what they think of the person who's, of course, sitting right in front of them and listening. Uh, you know, and they're not actually calling their friend. They're using their hands in that sort of hang-up, pick-up motion that I guess nobody would do anymore with cell phones. You'd have to just hold your palm instead of the two fingers or something. It's It's sort of a cute game they play, but... It also allows you, it allows you to see them apart from each other for the first time, and yet also together. It's it's one of it's another link later contradiction. You know, he's very good at at doing these things that are two things at once. And in this scene, you get a glimpse into the characters independently, because through the whole movie, we've only seen them and heard them in relation to each other. So you're getting a little bit of a break from that but in a way that's actually connecting them even more because they are, of course, still there with each other. And at the end of the film, there's a few interesting things happen. It seems they get a bottle of wine, they go up on the hill, and they kind of think maybe they're going to make love, and then they don't, but then it seems that they probably do. And they don't really say, and I do remember, I'll say this now in the sequel, one of the things I remember about it is they have a conversation where he says, one of them says, oh yeah, we had sex that night, remember? And the other one says, what are you talking about? We didn't have sex. <laughs> like, they have two different versions of what happened. And it's interesting because I remember watching it and being like, oh yeah, I don't remember if they did or not. And then when you see the movie, it is somewhat ambiguous. I would say it, it seems that they, they probably sleep together. But, you know, the movie itself plays it off that way. So, so it creates that impression, almost plants that seed of ambiguity later. And of course, that's beside the point in a way because the movie is more about their emotional connection than than their physical attraction, although the, the physical attraction is definitely part of it as well. But there's a, there's a very relatable quality to it, I think, where you encounter people at certain points, you just kind of hit it off, and you only see them at that point, whether it be for one day or for longer than that. It could be, you know maybe you're somewhere for a week or something and you're both in the same place. And it's interesting that this actually happened to to Richard Linklater in his life. The films or the first film anyways is based on this this incident that happened to him. It was with a woman named Amy Lerhout in Philadelphia in 1989. He said this in in later stories and he always wondered, you know, once he made the film, is she going to show up if I have a screening in Philadelphia while I run into her? And unfortunately, he finally found out 15 years after Before Sunrise that she had died in a motorcycle accident the year before the film came out. And there's actually a tribute on YouTube where somebody finds a little bit about her life, shares some photos, and it's kind of nice. You know, he talks about Linklater's experience and what she was really like and all of these things. And uh, it's fascinating to think of in that sense that this... 
this film was drawn from that experience and yet of course it diverged in that significant way where they didn't see each other again and she actually died young versus his version of the story where the characters are eventually reunited they do come together again of course at the end of the film they make a plan this film takes place on june 16th 1994 i think that's the night and into the next day which would be the 17th in the movie i guess they're supposed to be meeting in 1994 and they create a potential rendezvous for six months later so it'd be december 16th uh, 1994. And of course, as we find out in the sequel, uh, maybe I'll save that part of the discussion for a later uh, episode. But, you know, we do kind of find out what happened with that and why they didn't necessarily meet up and then do meet up years later. But there's something, there's, it's, I saw this film probably, I guess, around 2002 or so. So it was still a couple years before Sunset, and it was still a one-off. So it's interesting to see it as that one-off film, but now rewatch it knowing that it's part of this trilogy, and it almost feels like a proto-boyhood in a way, where you shoot at one time, then you shoot the real actors as those characters 10 years later, and you're showing how they evolved over time. But it's like you're seeing boyhood in fragments instead. Like, I saw this film when it just stood on its own. And so... It, it, when you see it that way, they're just these. They're they're eternally young, and of course they talk a lot about time and death and the passage of everything. But even as you watch these minutes tick by, it seems like an eternal moment. It seems like they're always this young couple in Vienna, and then to know that no, we follow up, we see them age, we see different things happen in their lives. It now casts a nostalgic shadow over it that I don't know if it would necessarily be there in the same way. We would be looking at it 20 years later and knowing the actors are 20 years older and and that type of thing. But I don't know if the characters would be able to be preserved in Amber in a way if if he hadn't come back to him. So that's an interesting thing to think about in that way. It also feels like a film very much of its time. I'm a broken record saying this. I'm always interested in when these movies take place, whether or not they're conscious about it. And there's just a certain energy to, I guess it's more mid-90s than early 90s, but that early to mid-90s American and a French woman traveling through Europe at a time when, in the legendary words of Francis Fukuyama, that history had ended. And there is this sense of like, you know, as they walk past these old buildings and they have this postmodern sensibility where they're analyzing everything in detail and thinking about them in these meta terms and asking all these big questions that people at any point would have asked but there's no real sense of them existing in a grand, important historical moment. It seems like it's outside of that. Like history is a thing that happened in the past, and the present is this moment now that they're able to live in without thinking of these these larger things. Although there is one point in the movie where she mentions Bosnia. They're talking about things that bother her, that bother them, and she's saying that right now, a thousand miles or whatever it is from here there's people dying in a horrible war and there's nothing we can do about it. So there is this consciousness of history, not in the sense of the past, but in the sense of events tied to a specific time and place happening off screen in a way. And meanwhile, maybe particularly just Europe and America or Western Europe and America are experiencing this moment of 
feeling like they're outside of that. And of course, in retrospect, it turns out to be a, a bit of a bubble. You know, there's this this moment that existed for that time. And, and that's another way, not just, you know, this individual story, but another way in which we can see this as a eternal moment and then also see it as a bubble, a, a brief spot in time that has passed. And so here we are now, 23 years later, and and you know what's changed since then. I, I would love, uh, I know Before Sunset, I think, takes place, I think it takes place in Paris, because that's where she lives, and that's where he goes, and, and everything like that. But it, it would be cool if Before Midnight, I have a feeling it takes place in the U.S., but it would be kind of cool if it took place in Europe, too, and we were able to see some sort of evolution in the location as well as the people. But I'm not sure. That's the one film I haven't seen in this trilogy is Before Midnight, the most recent one from 2013. So when I see that, that'll be a first-time viewing eventually. Before Sunrise was recommended by David. And he had an interesting comment when he recommended it. He wrote, Before Sunrise is my least favorite of the trilogy, though it perfectly captures adolescent or 20-something romanticism. The next two films get progressively more interesting, in my opinion, and achieve the extraordinarily rare feat of expanding and even retroactively improving on works that once felt complete. And then he wrote at a later time, Among the before films, if I were to pick one, it would be Midnight, though really their magic is in the time gaps and changes brought on by time. Sort of a TP season three kind of thing, in that sense. And that's certainly true, of course. This uh, is something we've talked about with Twin Peaks quite a bit, that with season three, suddenly what was not an element in the in the first series at all, this sense of time passing and characters aging and living with the duration of, you know, years, that suddenly becomes central, maybe even the central theme of the new of the new work something that wasn't even there before, but it's it's like adding a new dimension, you know, making a square into a cube or something. And that's something the Diane podcast has talked about a lot and that I think really has a commonality with, with Linklater's work in that way, with Boyhood and with the before films. And I think Boyhood, too, is interesting to pair with before films, primarily because of Ethan Hawke. You see him, his character really changes, but also the actor... Uh, when the film, they started shooting Boyhood, he was in his early 30s, very early 30s. And by the time they wrapped shooting, he was in his early 40s. He had entered middle age, same with Patricia Arquette. Um, but with Ethan Hawke, it's particularly notable because he was an actor who had worked with Linklater so much in these in these before films. And so with those, we see the steps staggered across time this character in his early 20s early 30s early 40s but in boyhood we see a more full evolution i think there are some years where we don't see much of the father but you know for the most part we see him age that way but it's no shocker to say this is a, the type of concept or conceit that really fascinates me somehow documenting the passage of time and I, i've ended up talking a lot about that although even though i watched before sunrise in isolation it's just something that kind of impacts it and around it and everything like that. That's mostly it for this week's episode. I do want to close by reading my first review on iTunes. I got a five-star review from Funky Button. Uh, 
So love that name. And the review is titled Serious Twin Peaks Scholarship. It says, Joel Bacco is a mensch. He knows everything about Twin Peaks, a lot about film history, and explores topics in a relaxed, friendly, and thoughtful manner. I'm a longtime subscriber of his Patreon. He always has some new insight or angle that I'm happy to hear about. So thank you for that. And uh, if you want to promote this podcast, best things you can do are first review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes. That's how people see this right now. If you search Lost in the Movies, iTunes on Google, uh, it takes you to the film TV category, but it still doesn't take you to the main page for the podcast because it's just not high up enough. I've only put out my introductory episode until this one. This is my first official episode. So also, if you really like my work, please consider becoming a patron. Uh, that helps me do this work here on the podcast, my video series, my reviews, and everything. And you get special access to, at this point, uh, hundreds of hours of podcasts because I've been recording since 2018. I'm just starting to release this material publicly, but you're just seeing the very, very tip of the iceberg uh, on the public aspect. This is now two and a half years worth of work uh, sometimes some of these podcasts, I mean, I had to split some into multiple, multiple parts covering many different topics. Uh, one month I had, I think, nine parts to it because it was like nine hours long or something like that. So, you know, there's a lot there to dig into if you want. I have the directory for my podcast in the show notes. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Here's a little taste of next week's post, which is going to be before midnight, the follow-up or i'm sorry no before midnight's the third one that's uh four weeks away two weeks away is before sunset the follow-up to before sunrise nine years ago two strangers met by chance and spent a night in vienna that ended before sunrise they are about to meet for the first time since hi hello see you then 